let me be the first to wish you a happy Father's Day to all fathers out there. Uh, so glad to see you. If you are a father here today, I'm going to ask you to please stand up. Let's give my hand. As we get started here today, what I'd like to do is just offer an opportunity for you to say a short thing about why you're thankful for your father. And uh, whoever wants to be the courageous one to get us started, I'm going to let you start. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. <sighs> his wife grabs his arm and says, hold on now, hold on. Thank you, bud. Amen. Somebody else? Yeah. Amen. Somebody else? Amen. Thank you, sir. Somebody else? I'm waiting for you young people to stand up over here, okay? Don't, don't make me call you out. Somebody else? Amen. Amen. Somebody else? <laughs> oh, my. 
What a blessing our fathers uh, have been, and I know that um, as we look at this today, I, I want to address the fathers especially, but uh, not exclusively to the fathers, for all men, and this applies to not just uh, men as well, it'll apply to women as well. So as a pastor, you sort of uh, try to cover the basis as we uh, speak God's word. Today, my, my message is found in, in a couple scriptures, Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. Amen. Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16 says, Therefore, I exhort you, this is Paul speaking, be imitators of me. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Fathers, men, we're called to be imitators of God. Imitators of God. Now think about that. The word imitator, it means it has the idea of mimicking something. Uh, mimicking someone, uh, uh, following after someone as you see them. Uh, I believe that uh, for us, uh, we can all probably come to an agreement, more is caught than taught. And uh, as we live our lives, uh, we have people watching us and observing us, and some from a distance, some uh, from afar, and some from up close. And, and what we need to be portraying is this imitation of God. My desire today is to help us. What does it mean to be an imitator of God? That seems overwhelming uh, as a father, as a man, as anyone, to be an imitator of God. What is he talking about? Well, we know one thing. There's a couple things about God. There's the incommunicable uh, attributes and there's the communicable at attributes of God, meaning this, the incommunicable, incommunicable that's easy for me to say, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, attributes of God. Think of the omnipresence of God. We, we can't imitate that. The, the omniscience of God and the omnip uh, omnipotence of God, the immutability of God. Those things are things that we, we can't reproduce, okay? That's just solely who God is. That's, that's Him and what He stands for. And yet there's another aspect of God that He communicates to us in His attributes, and that is His love. And his forgiveness and his grace and his kindness and his faithfulness. It's the, the moral attributes of God. And I think this is what he's talking about for us as believers and as fathers is that we're called to be an imitator of God's uh, attributes that are moral in essence. And God has called us to represent him in that way. Now, why are we to be imitators of God? Well, let me take you all the way back to the book of Genesis. At the very beginning, God created man and woman. Amen? He created them in the likeness of his image. And he did that so that you and I could have a relationship with God and that in and through that relationship, you and I would reflect who God is and all of his glory and all of his goodness and, and grace and mercy and holiness and all those things. 
And at the same time, we're called to represent him here on this earth. Now, follow me. Watch what happened. At the very beginning, God lays out for the for man, here's this one command. You can enjoy this great paradise that you have here, but just don't eat of this one tree. If you eat of it, it's going to mess up everything. It's going to mess up our relationship. It's going to mess up what I, I intended for you, and you're not going to represent me. Now watch what happens. Once they sin, and once they choose to be disobedient to the Word of God, what takes place in their life is this. The first thing that happens is this relationship with him and with them has been severed. It's been broken. It's, it's become a separation now. Why? Because sin has entered in. And every time sin enters into any of our relationships, does it not begin to tear it apart? Amen? Now, what happened at that point was instead of man reflecting the glory of God and all of who he is, Man then began the process of reflecting what self-centered, rebellious, sinful human beings can be. We see it ongoing all the time. We see it in our culture. It's growing in epidemic portions. We're seeing it, what sinful man is like. You see, the answer to our society is not more politics. It's not more money. It's not more education. It's not any of those things. What man needs is a new heart. And until man gets a new heart, you're not going to see man reaching out and giving themselves away. Instead, man's taking lives away. And God's called us to reflect him. But sinful human beings reflect what sinful human beings do. They look out for me, myself, and I. We have our own trinity. Amen? And so as we look at this today, instead of them representing God here on this earth, now watch this. They're about building their own kingdom. They're about focusing on themselves. Instead of representing him in this world, now they're representing, look at me. Look what I can build. Look what I can do. Look what I can accumulate. accumulate. Look what I can achieve. And so mankind is, is, is amazing how it's, flipped totally backwards what God intended. Now, as we come back to the gospel, we find this, that God himself in Genesis 3.15, that he prophesied something. That yes, you have hurt mankind, but there's coming a day that I'm going to send my son and I'm going to kill him for mankind to redeem them, to bring them back, so that once again, instead of continuing, continuing to fall short of the glory of God, they're now going to be placed back into a position where they can glorify God once again. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ has made that possible. And that's why it's paramount that every person in this world hear the good news. And the most important message for the world today is that you need a new heart. You need a new life. You need a Savior. You need a Lord, and His name is Jesus. He's come to let you know that because of God's amazing grace, mankind should have been left forever after Adam's sin and all of his prodigy should be left in their sin and do not deserve grace and mercy at all. 
But because of God's goodness, because of his love, because of his grace, he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because he has provided a way for us to protect us for the, for the coming doom of all mankind who does not believe. That's why it's paramount, if you understand Scripture, why I always say that I live my life to reach one more, to reach one more for Jesus. Because why? I realize when I look at the world, I don't see the world as bad that's in need to become good. I see a world that's dead and in need of a resurrection. Unless Jesus Christ comes and touches their heart and calls them to believe in him, they too will continue in the state that God says all mankind is in this world. The wrath of God is upon mankind. And unless Jesus comes and rescues them, and the only way Jesus can rescue you, ma'am, rescue you, sir, is that you must humble yourself and believe in Jesus as your only hope. That's the gospel. Now he tells us, be imitators of God. It starts with relationship. Why are we to be imitators of God? You've got to know this. I always tell you, church, you hear me say this many times, and I will until God takes me home, until you take me out of here, one or the other. That's this. You need to know something. The most important thing you need to do is not do something, you need to know something. As an imitator of God, you first must know that you are a child of God. You're a child of God. Do you have that assurance today that you're a child of God? You see, the most precious thing about being an imitator of God is knowing this, that, hey, I am an imitator of God because why? I am a child of God. Now watch this. It's not just in a mechanical sense that, oh, we've made a transaction that I, he's taken my debt and he's paid my debt. And in light of that, I have been forgiven. Oh, no, my friends, if that's all you've got, you've missed half the gospel. Because the gospel is not about just setting your record straight and getting you the transaction you need so that you can have a clear slate. Oh, no, the gospel is about not just doing that, but transforming your life with a brand new life in Jesus Christ. Because you see, I found in him my only righteousness. And the only way any of us can become a child of God is that you must be perfectly righteous. My friends, there's no one born on this earth perfectly righteous. And there, listen, I don't care what the evolutionists in your college are telling you. Listen, you're not getting better. You're not evolving into something that, hey, you're getting better and better and better. Oh, no. The Bible says we're only getting worse. And yet God commands and charges us as fathers to be imitators of me. Why? Because you are a child of God and you have a relationship with me. We're not just believers who are forgiven. Listen, we are believers who've been given supernatural life. And because we're God's children, our response should be one of bringing him great joy. That's it. Have you realized that your ambition in life 
should be to please God. You know, we, we have a lot of people that are people pleasers. And it's killing them. Can I tell you one person, it will never kill you to be a, a pleasing part of is God. Paul said, I make it my ambition. I make it my, my longing, my, my passion, my <coughs> delight, my everything to be pleasing to God. Think about that. And watch this. Once you know that you've been made pleasing to God, that when God sees you, watch this. He sees you through a relationship. Listen to this way he tells his son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Think about that. That's how God communicated to his son. Now all those who believed on Jesus Christ, watch this, that's exactly how he sees you and I. You are his, watch this, my personal, the beloved, man, you are special. Child of God. Listen. When you get this, I'm telling you, it will give you a passion to want to tell others about this. But if you don't believe that you are the personally chosen one of God, when he sees you, he sees special. When he sees you, he sees delight. When he sees you, he has a great big smile on his face, and there's joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's his heart. That's how he sees us. Now, how can you and I, be pleasing and bring joy to our God, to our Father. <coughs> Nothing pleases God more than when we what? Believe Him. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So you see, God's desire is what nothing brings Him greater joy. You watch it in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. One thing He confronted the Israelites over and over again was their unbelief nothing breaks the heart of God more than when you and I do not believe him you see that's the ultimate spit in his face think about it he's declared who he is he's shown you who he is he's made himself known in your own conscience and he's given you his word He's given you the living word in his son Jesus Christ as the exact representation of who he is and he's declared to you all of his goodness and he has nothing but goodness waiting on you in your future and he's saying all I want you to do is believe me, put your trust in me, follow me. And we say well you know my professor at school told me that you know God's really not real that's just a figment of your imagination well you need to decide are you going to believe those lying sinful self-centered professors or are you going to believe almighty awesome God who will never lie and tell you the truth it's by faith that's how we bring joy to the father the other way we bring joy to the father is by living in a manner that's worthy of him Think about it, living in such a way that, that we're honoring who he is. Nothing is more precious to God when his children trust him. And in so trusting him, they're living in such a way that they're showing how much they trust him by honoring his name everywhere they go, in every attitude of life, in every appetite of life, in every act of life. Another way is for us to understand this. As being an imitator of God, we are the, extra, the extraordinary 
of our world. Let me tell you what I mean by that. You're special. Because why? You have now the ability that the world doesn't have. And that's the ability to love like God loves. Yeah. You see, I want you to listen to this verse in Matthew chapter 5. This is Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, but I say to you, watch this, love your enemies. Oh, my goodness. Really? He wants me to love like that? I, you know, I, I can't do that. You just made God a liar. If you're a child of God. You can love your enemies. Look what just happened this past week in Charleston. You know what I love what, what took place is you watch born-again believers act like born-again believers. You watch them, instead of calling in all the, the hustlers of the world to, to defend them, they said, we don't need you. We know the way, and this is going to be the way. We're going to humble ourselves, and we're going to trust our God, and we know that our God's love will overcome evil every time. No matter how much evil there may be in this world, no matter how awful it may be in this world, i got great news for you. The love of God will always overcome if we'll live in it. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Man, did you hear the testimony of God's people who lost loved ones there? I just, I wept, listen to this, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles, that means the unbelievers, do the same. Therefore, don't be like them. You are to be, watch this, perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, understand the context he's talking about. He's talking about love here. He's talking about we. Our love should be so extraordinary than the world's love that says, hey, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. You greet me, I'll greet you. But listen, the moment that you don't do that, I ain't giving you nothing. That's the world's love. But God's love, it says, I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. I, I, I'm not going to give you what you do deserve. I'm going to be a man or woman that's going to cover you with the love of God. Instead of exposing you, I'm going to cover you so that the glory of God can be seen. You remember back in Noah's days? Remember Noah, he just got ripped, blinding drunk. Not a good thing. And you know what happened? The daughters come in, and here he is naked. And you know what happens? One comes out. What the other one did? Went and got a blanket and went in backwards and put it over. You know what that is? That's what God's love is. It covers a multitude of sins. See, that's what makes us special in this world. Not that we're perfect, but the Father whom we proclaim, the Lord who is our God, the Holy Spirit who is in us, will empower us to be able to love just like Him. Wow. Dad's. How is your love? 
Are you reflecting the character of God in your relationship with your wife? Are you reflecting the character of love to your children? Always, when I was young and immature in my walk with God, I would tell my children as best I knew how at the time, when you leave here, remember this. You go out there, just remember you're representing the Jones name. You're not just representing you. You're representing our name. As I got older and more mature in the Lord, I realized, no, that's not good. You're representing the name that's above all names, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're representing him in this world. And so therefore, as you go out in whatever you do and whatever you say, remember, the Lord is with you. The Holy Spirit's there for you. He will help you to face any circumstance, any situation with courage, with grace, and with truth. And I believe with all my heart, we as men, we need to come to grips with the grace of God in our own life. We, we've got to settle it, guys. I'm telling you, men, we are the world's worst because we grew up with this idea about God's love. I must perform to a certain standard in order to feel good about myself. Now, I, I can lay out whatever I learned from my, uh, my father or from important men in my life that told me and showed to me what love was. One of the things I, I shared with our men's group last night, how important it is that we be a reflector of God's character to our children and to our spouses. And one of the things I, I believe in with all my heart is, is that focus needs to be on character more than performance. We're so quick when they perform well, that's great. But when they're living out a characteristic of God, And guess what they grow up thinking? Performance is everything. Character means little. We've got to flip that around, guys. It starts with you. And if you don't believe that you're, you are loved and that you are totally accepted by one thing, not your performance in any way, shape, or form, but you are accepted because of the unconditional love of the Father. He loves you period, whether you ever do anything for him, period, he loves you. And you listen, I don't care how much you stop doing things, and I don't care how much you start doing things, God's love is not going to change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever, amen, because God doesn't change. He's not like a fickle father that I wake up in the morning, you know, I don't feel so good. I think I'm going to take it out on my wife. I'm going to give her a piece of my mind that I don't need to lose. Amen? And, and see, one of the things I'm learning more and more is that this is a supernatural life we're talking about. And what's, what's happening is men are trying to live a supernatural life in the natural. You can't do it. And listen, when we're not connected right here, these relationships are not going to be right. Amen? So listen, 
quit trying to make these right and get this right, and he'll make these right. You see, it's amazing. I can't get on my knees and begin to cry out to God, oh, God, how wonderful you are. And he said, yeah, there's something back here we need to deal with. Oh, God, but you, I just want to worship you. Yeah, we can't, we can't worship. There's something back here. Oh, God, I just love you. Yeah, I know you love me, but uh, until you do this right here, make things right. Those words you said just hurt her. <coughs> just hurt him. That sarcasm that you threw out there that you thought it was instructional, it was destructive. And it's destroying their personhood. Guys, men, I asked this question last night, and I'll ask it again this morning. Are you a healer or a hurter? You see, our job, my job as a husband, is to bring healing to my wife. My wife is to, my, my job as a father is to bring healing to my children. And I believe we can do it. I know we can do it. Because Paul says, be imitators of me, Corinthians. Wow. How could he say that? Because he says in another place, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You see, Christ has now become his life. Now watch this. He goes on and says, I'm sending you one of my children, my beloved, remember those words? My beloved child who's faithful, full of faith. He's coming to you. And you know what he's coming to you for? To represent Christ and me. That I am in Christ just like him. Oh me. Do you realize the impact you can make in your own ministry that you've been given, you've been so blessed with, that ministry is right there with your spouse and your children. That's why it's so paramount, paramount, that it, he tells us in his word, he, he warns us, he says, don't be quick to be a leader in a sense that you're going to go and proclaim God's word. Be careful. Why? Because if you don't take care of your own home, how are you going to handle the affairs of his church? He didn't give that to women. I hate to tell you that women, but that's the truth. He gave that to us men. That's our role. To lead lovingly. To lead with the attitude of Christ. Be in such a relationship with God that you're in a relationship with your children 
that you're reflecting God as you're in your relationship with God. You're reflecting that to your children and to your spouse. And that you're representing, watch this, Christ and God in your home. You're representing Christ and, and God to your children and to your spouse. And as you live your life every day into the world, you're representing His name. His name. Oh, how precious that is. Well, let me close with this. How are we to do this? I don't want to leave you hanging. In Ephesians 5, verse 2, he says this. After he tells us, he commands us to be imitators of God, he tells us how. Walk in love, even as Christ also loved you. Gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for an odor of a sweet smell. Two things that just jump out of here to me. How are we to represent him, reflect him, and be in a relationship with him? It's all grounded and founded in the love of God. It's God's love. Now, he tells us to walk in love even as Christ has loved you. Now, what did he do? He gave himself. Christ gave himself. Fathers, men, listen to me. We are called to give ourselves, first of all, as an offering. Watch this, a gift. Let, let me ask you, what kind of gift are you giving your wife? What kind of gift are you giving your children? I know you think, well, this is Father's Day. They're supposed to give me a gift. Hello. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Just keep them coming. But I wonder sometimes, you know, I find this with, with it's happening with women, and I'm not calling nobody out here, okay? I'm really treading on uh, uh, some water here, I know. <clears throat> that, you know, I, I've heard, I just, 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 let me put it that way, I've heard that there's sometimes you can get a gift, and, and you don't really like it, so you just repackage it and give it to somebody else. Uh-oh. I'm wondering, are we just giving gifts like that to our spouse, to our children? Is that the kind of attitude that we're carrying? Or is it the attitude of Christ that says, I'm going to give you this gift, and it costs me greatly, therefore he uses the word sacrifice. Man, it's hard pulling out that wallet, isn't it? Great, day in the morning. And I had a little bit, but it's gone just that quick. But you know what? You know what I found more and more? It's not so much my pocketbook that my wife wants, my children want. You know what they want? My time. They want my time. We... Will you spend time with me? I got to work some more hours because, you know, I got to have that thing. Oh, I'm not going to say I got to have that thing, but, you know, I'm working because I really love you. Yeah, I know you do. But imagine if you took an hour off. Imagine that you chose that, that you're not going to work as long or something. And instead, you're going to go home a little early and watch this. You're going to come in the door and, and you're going to love on her and give her some undivided attention. And watch this, you'll go out there and say, honey, what is it you want me to do? You want me to 
Wash your feet today? Uh, Gracie's saying, don't go there. Don't go there. Uh, no. no. In essence, what, what can I do that, watch this, that will be a sacrifice for me? Wash clothes. <laughs> hey, why don't you spend time with the children and I'm going to go out for four hours? What? Yeah. How about you taking the kids off and doing something with the kids? How about you planning something to take your wife away that she has nothing about? And watch this. You have, watch this, gone out of your way to make sure the kids are taken care of and everything's taken care of. And when she comes back home, she's a real happy woman. She's not having to fix everything that's been tore up. Amen? I knew the women would speak then. But I ask us here today, guys, what are we offering? Jesus offered his life. And God's commanding us, men, to lay down our lives for our wives. And you know what I find? I've never found a woman that had a husband, had a man that laid down their life for her, protected her, provided for her, and looked out after her best interests that that woman was not there singing the praises of her husband. Hadn't found it. I believe with all my heart it starts with the men. And I believe, because I so strongly believe that, we're in the process of starting a whole new men's ministry. And guys, don't want to hear no excuses. I want to see you being a part of coming together so that you can be equipped to be the father and to be the man God called us to be. Amen? I challenge you. I challenge you. Listen, and, and I, I promise you, we're going we're gonna to do things that's going to be valuable to your time. We want to help you. And I believe that God's going to do a great, great work with our men. And he's going to transform us. We're praying for 300 men to rise up and be the men God's called us to be. And I know he's going to do it because that's God. It's a supernatural thing. It's not a natural thing. I want to encourage you, men. Examine your heart today. Where are you? You're showing your love, God's love, to your spouse. I pray that be the case. Father, in Jesus' name, may your Holy Spirit just take us and mold us and shape us, Lord, to be the men you want us to be. Father, I pray, oh God, for your Holy Spirit to show us how we can serve our wives, our children, how we can best love them, Lord, the way that would be an offering to them. And it would offer up to them something that's sweet, that's pleasant, that's an aroma that they want more of. God, I know that we all fall short and we're in need of your forgiveness. And Lord, we know that your word tells us we've already been forgiven. If we confess, we clear the air with you and therefore are enabled and empowered once again to walk in the true fellowship of grace and truth. 
so that the glory of your name could be seen in your own special and powerful way. Oh God, may you minister to us today. My prayer is, oh God, that all of us would examine ourselves and see, are we walking in love? This is not just for dads, not just for moms, it's for men and women everywhere. Are we being an imitator of God? Maybe you're here today and you've heard for the first time the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he come. He come because of fallen man who died, who is unrighteous and in need of righteousness. And Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect, sinless life. And he arose from the dead three days later, ascended to the Father, and coming back again. Oh, Holy Spirit, may you move in this place today and let us experience you in a real and powerful way. Thank you, God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar is open here. As God is speaking to your heart, you can come and pray. You can pray right where you are. Whatever God speaks to you, just respond to him. That's the most important thing here today, that you respond to what God has spoken to your heart about. You come, God bless you.